0: Greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad, Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah, and Shabbat Shalom. We're going to look today into a new book, into the book of Nahum. You like that? Nahum. a little bit of guttural in there. So let's turn there. If you can find it in your scriptures, then good for you. That means that you're a navigator. Oh, I broke my, I broke my podium. What happened there? That's all right. We'll get rid of that. We'll fix that later. <laughs> I want to thank our donors, all our supporters out there that make this possible. Truly thank you. You are the ministry, and we are so blessed with your stewardship. Let's turn to the Bible together as we look into this wonderful, wonderful book, Nechum. Wonderful for some, not so wonderful for those who are going to be under the anvil of his judgment. Nechum means to comfort, comfort. And in reality, many people have wanted me to, when's the book of Revelation? When are you teaching the book of Revelation? And I truly do plan on teaching the book of Revelation. But I really felt called to teach this particular book because of the trials and the tribulations and all that is going on nationally and internationally because we really are in a struggle. And I think this prophetic book addresses the struggle, calls it out, names it, and it is so, so powerful because there is a silent war that is being waged. And it's amazing to me how few people are actually paying attention to that except for those that are the saints that are living the biblical life we have the bible as our framework for our worldview, because this silent war has been underway for many many years and it will eventually engulf the entire globe well sphere or, or hollow earth or you know but it's a battle between globalism and nationalism or national sovereignty versus world government. That's the reality. But Nehum is a nationalist. And that's not something that's politically correct, especially with, uh, now with our president in office and how there's a country that is so polarized with open borders. And then on the other side, there's nationalism. But this is Nahum the nationalist and he gets a bad rap with such a moniker, he really does. In fact, when I was growing up in a Church of England school, he was never in the lectionary readings. He was skipped over. And that's exactly what people would like to do, for us to skip over the words of the prophet Nahum, because Nahum is a nationalist. And when we live in a time where we're at the tipping point between globalism and nationalism, there's no better time to delve into this prophetic book to give us answers to see where we're at. Between Trump politics or the Rothschild's reign, we've got Brexit stay or Brexit leave, Brexit remain or Brexit leave. We've got over here, do we need a wall? Yes, wall. No, no wall. It's polarized. Everything's polarized. Even in France, even in Europe. You've got yellow jackets, or let's put them in straight jackets. I mean, the world is in chaos, and it is this polarization between nationalism and globalism. Open borders or trying to shore up the homeland. What's going on? there's no more important time to look at these words. The burden of Nineveh. The scroll of the vision of Nehum the Elkoshite. El is jealous and Yahuwah revenges. Yahuwah revenges and he is furious. Yahuwah will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserves wrath for his enemies. Today, I'm just going to give you an introduction and an overview of the book of Nahum, And then next week, we'll fully delve into chapter one. But this idea of global society, of course, isn't something new. It dates all the way back to where? The Tower of Babel. Globalism was around then this one world everybody coming together one language and what do we find the Tower of Babel but the reality is you're never gonna solve the world's problems by becoming as one if you don't follow the one true Elohim you'll never solve the world's problems that way Nechum, the prophet Nechum, his name is spelled Nun Chet Mem Sofit, And what it means in the Hebrew is one who sighs heavily. One who sighs heavily. Somebody who's sorrowful. Carrying a sense of pity. But it's scaled with vengeance, as you see throughout the book. But ultimately, how do we find our comfort? Nahum, comfort, is in knowing Yahuwah. Even in the midst of trial, his name says there's comfort when you find refuge in the stronghold of Yahuwah. So he is a nationalist. And that is why I think so many times you'll find that ministers, preachers, pastors will not teach from this book. Because Nahum the nationalist, it's an unpopular message. And let me be clear on this. Yahweh is a nationalist. Look what it says in the Book of Acts, chapter seventeen, verse twenty-six, and He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries, borders. Of their dwellings, so that they should seek Yahuwah in hope that they might grope for him and to find him. So the Bible tells us the reason that we have boundaries and national borders is so that people housed within each and every one of those boundaries and national borders would grope and seek Yahuwah. But there's a problem. If you open up those borders and you get globalism, then what's going to happen? People are not going to grope and seek Yahuwah because they're going to be groping and seeking for one man who is sovereign over all. And the Bible tells us that that's going to be the man of sin, the very man of perdition, who is going to be that one that says he's the prince of peace, but truly is the devil in disguise, the Antichrist. So the apocalypse, the book of Revelation, also tells us Yahuwah is going to triumph in the nationalism. Revelation 21, verse 24, it is written, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. There's still going to be national boundaries. There's still going to be nations. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor onto it. So Yahuwah does not join the open borders crowd. And neither should we. And neither should we. Even though it's politically incorrect to teach the book of Nahum and everything that he stands for. Yahweh stands for it and has ordained it for a specific reason laid out right there in Acts 17, verse 6. There was too many hippies, like I said last night. Too many hippies, though, were at Woodstock smoking dope listening to John Lennon's 1971 song, Imagine, imagine all the people. Well, now those people that were sitting there listening to that nonsense with their utopiastic ideas ended up going to law school, getting voted into office, and now they're trying to bring John Lennon's perverted sense of reality into our daily lives. That's what's happened. It's taken a generation to do it, but now those people that were sitting around at Woodstock in the 70s listening to that, are now in office because they decided to infiltrate us in a political way while we were all asleep. And so Nahum the nationalist tells us to wake up because we must prepare and understand what's happening today. We must. We've got to expose the agenda behind globalism. We actually have to resist it. And at the same time as we resist it, unfortunately, we have to prepare for its arrival. And I know that seems strange. Yes, we resist it, but we also have to prepare for its arrival because this train left the stations in 1971. That's the problem, okay? So it's, it's a quest really to eliminate the concept of individual nations and states and achieve world government. And who's going to rise up? What people are actually going to have the strength of faith to rise up and resist the left because the left are trying to dismantle America from within. The left are trying to dismantle Europe from within. And even when democracy brings forth a vote like it has in the UK, they try to thwart democracy and have another vote because they didn't like the way their system actually worked out. So it's really tyranny in disguise. You're seeing that with Brexit. I don't understand why people tolerate it, when clearly, I don't think we would tolerate it over here, but Europe has, you know, gone further off the tracks than we have over here in the United States. But it's coming here if we don't resist. So globalism's goal is to enable the world to live happily ever after in man's own created utopia, completely void of Yahuwah and ruled by just a few, just an elite select few, and eventually ruled by one, paving the way for the man of sin, lawlessness, and perdition, or the Antichrist to be revealed. Revelation 13 catalogs that for us, does it not? Look at Nechum, and we find there was a village in the Holy Land called Capernaum, or Kafah Nechum, the village of Nechum, where, of course, Yehusha spent many, many days proclaiming the message of salvation. But overlook this book at your own peril. I mean, this is the thing. If we overlook this book, it's going to be at our own peril because we need to broadcast its message openly, We know that all scripture is given by inspiration of Yahuwah, 2 Timothy 3.16, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, even the words of the prophet Nahum. And it's a book that many thumb through the Bible. where is it? Where is it? Well, it's a prophecy of judgment against foreign nations, all the while triumphing and giving us a message of salvation to the people of faith. Yes, there's judgment. But there is a triumphant message of salvation to the people who remain faithful. And I think Nahum's words, they don't sit well for the universalist. That's the problem. What's well, nationalism? And now, that's not politically expedient. When you've got all of this universalism, even in your schools of religion. It's all this universalistic thought. and You see all these universalistic churches popping up. But Nahum is to them nothing more than a vengeful nationalistic prophet who triumphs over an enemy. But few critics approve the overarching message of this book. And in today's parlance we can see, yes, it's not politically correct because it exudes inequality. Whereas everything today is, oh, we've got to have equality. Well, this book exudes inequality. That's the reality of it. Get used to it. Critics get it wrong, though, when they view Nahum as a book about human beings. It's not a book about human beings. It's a book we'll discover about the nature of Yahuwah. That's what this book is about. Now, with a distorted view, men will sit in the seat of judgment themselves, and they will decide how to judge human history, being the sole arbiters of what is right and what is wrong. They decide what Yahuwah himself can do and what Yahuwah himself cannot do. And what Yahuwah does in this prophetic book seems utterly unacceptable to their worldview. But it's a reality. And it's a reality that we need to be prepared for, which is why his message is so pressing. Nahum knows, he knows this, that it is Yahuwah alone who holds universal dominion over the kingdoms of this world. It is not going to be Bernie Saunders. It is not going to be the Clintons. It is not going to be the Rothschilds. It is Yahuwah alone who holds dominion over the kingdoms of this world. Him alone, Nahum, like his predecessor Isaiah, was a gifted poet. And this is ancient poetry. He was a poet who portrays the total destruction of Nineveh in our pages by an anonymous enemy. That's what this book is about. The total destruction of Nineveh, Nineveh By an anonymous enemy, he voices a universal or global relief and joy of those who've suffered under the oppressive system of a merciless tyrant. Think about it. Here's the prophetic similitude for our days. We as believers are aware that our faith, our lifestyles, the way we want to raise our children, the way we want to raise our families is under assault by an anonymous, tyrannical system that doesn't want to come out and expose itself but wants to try and do what? Work in the shadows to undermine family, faith, and everything that the Bible stands for. We, again, are in the same fight as Nahum and the people of his day were too because our very national and religious fabric is being systematically unraveled by an anonymous enemy, an oppressive and merciless tyrant and a tyrannical system and the voice of Nahum I believe as you read through these pages over the next few weeks is desperately needed in our desperate times because it really ministers to where we're at in the world today. We're dealing with a shadow enemy. That's what we're dealing with. An enemy that JFK, that JFK Jr. were well well aware of. They were well aware. And the enemy took the puppet forms of LBJ, the Clintons, the Bushes, the Obamas. But it's truly an anonymous enemy, isn't it? Because they're just puppets. Who's putting them forward? It's an anonymous enemy that can only be overcome by a prophet and a prophetic voice and a prophetic people, you. Look at our text. The burden of Nineveh, the scroll of the vision of Nahum the Elkoshite. Elohim is jealous and Yahuwah revenges. Yahweh revenges and is furious. Yahuwah will take vengeance on his adversaries. He reserves wrath for his enemies. Yahuwah is slow to anger and great in power. And he will not acquit the wicked. Yahuwah has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. The clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and he makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers. Bashan withers and Carmel too. The flower of Lebanon withers. The mountains quake at him. The hills melt. The earth is burned at his presence. Yes, the world and all that dwell therein. This is a worldwide judgment. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can survive the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire. And rocks are thrown down by him. Yahuwah is good. A stronghold in the time of trouble. And he knows those that trust in him. So in the midst of turbulence, in the midst of all of this chaos that is global, if you will, or spherical, or whatever you think it is. It is broadcast worldwide, but in the midst of it, what? He knows those who trust in Him. And there is your security. There is my security. This prophetic book of Nahum is powerful. Nahum's prophecy, it can be dated between the capture of Thebes by the Assyrians and the fall of Nineveh that happened in 621 before the Common Era, in the 7th century before the Common Era. This is the dating. Now the Assyrian Empire at this time, a semblance of the global hegemony today, faced a crisis in the threat from the Medes the Medes and the advancing Scythians compounded with the Babylonian Revolt supported by the leadership of the Persians, the Iranians, that had ripple effects into Syria and Palestine. So do you see the similitudes? We're dealing with the Iranians, we're dealing with the Syrians, it's got ripple effects into the Holy Land. This is bitter warfare that shook a whole empire. A whole empire. The Assyrian Empire. And I think in America we have become complacent because of our strength in the post-allied world. But even great empires, they fall. The Assyrians, where are they? Where are the Mongols? Where are the Romans? Where are these empires? Even the greatest empires fall. Nahum steps into the light in a time of political upheaval and global instability. The equivalence, not only between the theme, but the actual identity of the regions and the countries involved, I don't think we can overlook that. I really don't. Because that is paramount into our understanding of what's going on in the world. Globalism and tyranny at the hands of a shadow enemy. Listen to this. Globalism and tyranny at the hands of a shadow enemy who uses the conflicts and threats of the Persians, the Iranians, compounded with a revolt of mystery Babylon with ripple effects... All the way from Iran to ISIS to Syria with threat and devastation upon the Holy Land. Do we see that today? We see the same thing. It's the same ripple effects. It's the same fall of an empire that is teetering on the very edge. And this is where we're at today. The book of Nahum it has like a double title. It's called The Burden Against Nineveh and A Book of the Vision of Nahum. So burden, the Hebrew word for burden is Masah, Masah. And it's spelled Mem Sheen Aleph. And it means a doom prophecy of judgment against a foreign nation. And you can notice these burdens or these doom prophecies, Isaiah 13, 1, for example, the burden of Babylon, which Isaiah, the son of Amos, did see. Malachi chapter one, verse one, the burden of the word of Yahuwah by Israel to Malachi. So burden, this word here in the Hebrew, Masah, it means a doom prophecy. This is a doom prophecy of judgment, against a foreign nation. But then the other word that we see is the vision. The Hebrew word here is machazer, machazer, and it's spelt mem, chet, zayin, chay, and it means a supernatural revelation to the prophet's inner sight and hearing. So I hope as we go through this book, you're going to get some supernatural revelation and insight into the world that we live in today through The vision of Nahum, the prophet. Because this is an authentic doom oracle. It really is. It's a doom oracle against the world and the kingdoms of men, prophetically pictured in Nineveh and Assyria. Now, the prophet who's often spoken ill of, Nahum, is too often maligned as a narrow-minded nationalist, a prejudiced racist. It's easy to do a hatchet job on him, really easy, especially on a prophet who has a nationalistic worldview. It's unpopular, isn't it? So let's just hack him up. And that's what happens when people don't like what you stand for, they don't like what you're communicating, then what do they do? A hatchet job on it to hack it up, and they'll start calling you names. Racist. Nationalist, Nazi, anything in the culture of shut up because they don't like the words of the prophet Nahum which is a nationalistic viewpoint because it's either open borders, globalism, or nationalism. And as we've seen, Yahuwah is a nationalist, Acts 17.6. So Yahuwah not only is a nationalist, but he's the covenant Elohim. And rejection of his covenant leads to chaos you reject his covenant there's going to be chaos in society there's going to be chaos in nature as nature and society crumbles its headlong pursuit of destroying natural laws and we see that now this is what happens when a kingdom is about to fall and topple the natural laws are destroyed or they try to destroy it what do we have male and female Fluidity in the genders, sexuality, family, destroying the DNA, trying to make that fluid, environment, food, chemtrails, all under assault as our society, like the Assyrians, circles the drain as it now drinks the dregs of the cup of trembling. And it's about to be wrung out. This is the vision of Nahum. Nahum shows us that no earthly power, that defies Yahuwah's natural law will ever escape his judgment. And we have a whole bunch of politicians that are trying to what? Get everybody to believe that we should defy Yahuwah's natural laws. And they're all about science until you say, well, hang on a minute. Science and biology say that this person was born this state and that will never change. That is a biological fact. But they don't like that. So they try to circumnavigate natural law. And this is the fall of nations. So Nineveh was wicked. And though judged, Yahweh's judgment is also redemptive. He doesn't judge just for judgment's sake. His hope is that there will be redemption in that it advances. Yahweh's judgment is there to advance his kingdom. That's why he's judging. His judgment isn't just for judgment's sake. It has a specific purpose to advance his kingdom forward for his people. For his people and his covenant promises for them. So as we look at the new world order, we look at globalism, this new world of freedom, peace and comfort... Look at the 13th verse. For now I will break his yoke from off thee and will burst thy bonds in sunder. So Nahum speaks to us today, we who live between the time of utter tribulation and the time when Yahushua will hand over the kingdom to his father. And after he has destroyed all opposing powers and principalities. Nahum's opening is actually a hymn. If you look at verses 2 to 11, this is actually a hymn. And that's what's so amazing. You can see, if you look in the Hebrew, the traces of an acrostic hymn within. Within the acrostic, each line of the poem actually begins with a letter from the Hebrew Aleph Bet. It begins in an, with an Aleph, And then it goes all the way through to a yod. And that's how the hymn opens up in those first few verses. And this is a cryptic message. Because here, if you look, you can see the Hebrew word for evil is ra'ah. And it is introduced. And evil then ra'ah, after it's introduced, it's actually done away with. So that's kind of the opening and closing chapters or bookends of this particular hymn. Evil is introduced. It then permeates through the hymn. And then evil is done away with. And between these two ra'ahs or evils of this book in chapter 1, verses 11 and chapter 3, verse 19, you're going to find that there stands four judgment oracles against Nineveh you see it in chapter 1, verse 12, the first judgment oracle against Nineveh. Now in chapter 2, verse 1, you see a second judgment oracle against Nineveh. Then in chapter 3, verse 1, you see the third judgment oracle against Nineveh. And finally in chapter 3, verse 8, you see the fourth judgment oracle against Nineveh. Now in each of these sections, if we're looking at it as as a hymn, it ends with the words of Yahuwah discernible by, look at it, Behold, Chineh, or Yahuwah, Behold, Chineh, and it's Che, Nun, he. And you can see that in the Hebrew in chapter 1, verses 15, chapter 2, verse 13, chapter 3, verse 5, and chapter 3, verse 13. And you may miss that, And this is what tells us that this was actually originally composed as a hymn. It was done to be drawing of the salvation to believers. Because recipients of his covenant, of his covenant love, of his boundless mercy, judgment then also to the reprobate and the fallen state of man in rebellion to the creation, and those in rebellion to the creator. And that's what we have today. People aren't just opposed to the creator. They're in actual rebellion against biology, science, and the, and the creation itself, or how they were created. And that is thumbing your very, very nose at Yahuwah himself. Yahuwah is jealous. He is an avenging Elohim, verse 2. Yahuwah is avenging. He is wrathful. Yahweh will take vengeance on his adversaries and he keeps wrath. He stores it up for his enemies. Now, look at the threefold repetition of Naham. You see it here spelled Nun Kaf Mem Sofit or Avenger. It builds and then it builds and then it builds again until you get this final climax. Of this Hebrew word Natar spelt Nun Tet Resh you get this distinction between the avenger and then the keeper and then it concludes with Yahweh's long suffering with sin and how he truly is a righteous judge or in the Hebrew at uh, Zadig Shafat with these balanced scales between mercy and judgment which are presented side-by-side in verses 7 and 8. Look at verse 7. Yahuwah is good, a stronghold, and he knoweth us that trust in him. Conversely, weighing in Nahum's scales, look at verse 8. Yahuwah will make an utter end and shall pursue his enemies. You see the scale of judgment there? in verses 7 and verses 8 because this is truly a message to you and I today to serve Yahuwah and to track with his purposes not to stray from his purposes not to stray from our devotion to Yahuwah not to stray from our Melchizedek priesthood calling but to stay on track with Yahuwah because the prophet Nahum says what? Yahweh is a jealous Elohim. He's jealous. He wants our attention. He's a jealous Elohim. And it's that jealousy that drives him toward his endgame purpose. You have to know that. But anyone that tries to thwart Yahweh's endgame purpose or tries to thwart that drive, then they find that Yahweh actually becomes their enemy. Their enemy an avenger who is owner or master of wrath against all who challenge his sovereignty, fear and trembling to his adversaries, comfort and affirmation to his covenant priesthood. This we know from the Bible, that Yahweh, he is good. He is good. And all goodness, where does it flow from? It all flows from Yah. Remember when they said, Yahushua said, who is good? Yahweh alone is good because all goodness flows from YAH. That's what people need to understand. And to battle against YAH is to battle against the Creator and all creation itself. No matter what people try to say or how they may try to convince you, no good thing flows out of man. That's the whole point it all flows from Yahweh himself human beings cannot have goodness in the world unless it flows from Yahweh himself there is no good thing in us but Yahweh is dependent on no other source for his goodness because it comes from him look at Luke chapter 18 verse 18 and a certain ruler asked him and saying good master what shall i do to inherit eternal life And Yahushua said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save Yahuwah. Yahuwah alone. That is all. Look at Psalm 145 verse 8. Yahuwah is gracious. He is full of compassion. He is slow to anger and of great mercy. Yahuwah, he is the one that is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all of his works. Psalm 46, verse 1. Yahweh is our refuge. He is our strength, a very present help in the day of vengeance and trouble. So as we enter into this book, and it's a short book, Nehum the Nationalist, there's a couple of takeaways, two irrefutable points of faith for us that we can build on over the next few weeks. Number one, Yahweh is a stronghold in the day of our trouble. He is, no matter where that is, whether it's in a hospital bed, whether it's in the car, whether it's on the highways or the byways, whatever it is in your life, Yahweh is a stronghold in your time of trouble. And number two, He gives enduring protection because strongholds, they are no temporary camps, are they? His enduring protection is forever because a stronghold is not a temporary camp it is somewhere where you can hold up for a long long time as the world is in trial and tribulation we will hold up in the stronghold of Yahuwah and he will preserve his people in the apocalyptic days to come when people have assaulted you assaulted your character You don't have to interact with those adversaries you can retreat you're not retreating from people but you're retreating from the wars of flesh and blood and what do you do you retreat into the stronghold of yahuwah to gain a vantage point because you need to retreat backwards so that then you can gain a vantage point and not be caught up In the wars and the flesh and all of those things that surround us on a common daily assault we have to be able to retreat into the stronghold of Yahuwah so we can gain a vantage point and from that vantage point we can begin to look out upon the landscape and we can reevaluate reevaluating our faith is key for us to go into the next season fully equipped but you can never go into the next season fully equipped unless you retreat into the stronghold look out take a good vantage point reevaluate what you need to do you need to plan you need to prepare you need to make preparation you need to then do what once you're ready Then you go out and you rage an absolute onslaught against the enemies of the gospel. You rage an absolute onslaught against the enemies of those that try to thwart the message of gathering the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad in this day and age. But sometimes it's okay to retreat. As long as you're retreating into Yahuwah, the world would have you retreat into all kinds of other things that are not of Yahweh, but we retreat into his stronghold so that we can then get a vantage point and look at the landscape and then we're ready to make an onslaught again in our faith and that's how we grow as believers it's retreat and then out, and then retreat, and then out, just like an army would. This is a spiritual war. And over the seasons of this ministry, we've had times of going out and retreating, out, retreating, so that you can then gain the next season. Does that make sense? Because our war is not against flesh and blood. I mean, we retreated for for a time, and now... We're ready to go out across the landscape, reevaluate. We've planned, we prepare, and then we go and make an onslaught out against the enemies of the faith. And you can see how we've re-evaluated here in the ministry to then now launch new campaigns of gathering and proclaiming the message of truth. Look at verse seven. He knoweth them that trust him, those that retreat into his stronghold, He knowest us. Yahweh is acquainted with our very ways. He knows our lines of retreat will always be where? To Him. When you retreat, retreat to Yahweh. Don't retreat into vices, addictions, but retreat into Yahweh. Don't retreat into drugs and medications and all of these things retreat into Yahuwah and then he'll equip you to go back out again that is the stronghold message of this prophetic book I'll read a few more verses and then we'll finish up and prepare prepare for it next week as we can see here in um, this prophetic book of Nahum The words of Yahuwah are powerful because this is a burden against Nineveh. This is a burden against all tyranny that would come against Yahuwah and His people. The burden of Nineveh, the scroll of the vision, Nechum, the Elkashite, because Elohim is jealous and Yahuwah revenges. Yahuwah revenges and He is furious. Yahweh will take vengeance on his adversaries. He reserves wrath for his enemies. Yahweh is slow to anger, but he is great in power. And he will not acquit the wicked. Yahweh has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds and the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and he makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers, Bashan withers and Carmel too. The flower of Lebanon withers. The mountains quake at him, and the hills, well, they melt. And the earth is burned at his presence. Yes, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before Yahuwah's indignation? And who can survive the fierceness of his anger, his fury? It is poured out like fire. And the rocks, they are thrown down by Him. Yahuwah is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And He knows those who trust in Him. So, as we go into the stronghold of Yahuwah, we know in the book of Revelation that there are the elite right now preparing to go into the mountains in Nevada, preparing to go into their bunkers in in, um, the areas out there all across America because they're looking to make their own strongholds, but this is a time when this message really really tells you why we're in such a polarized state in our world because it's a war: globalism versus nationalism and if you like the Prophet Nahum like Yahweh himself have a nationalistic viewpoint then you're targeted targeted with slander targeted with false accusations because like Nahum people will say well to have a nationalistic worldview means that you're racist to have a nationalistic worldview means that you're not liberal but in reality Yahweh is the most liberal of all because he's merciful and full of graciousness but he has designed nations to have boundaries for one specific purpose that each individual nation the inhabitants of that nation that they would seek Yahuwah but if you unravel the boundaries of nations you'll end up with one tyrant ruling over all and people will look to that man of sin and that is what the Bible tells us is coming so yes we need to we need to resist national um, globalism excuse me but we also have to prepare for its onslaught because things are gonna get much worse before they get better. And it's only gonna be the faithful saints who actually retreat into the stronghold of Yahuwah that are going to be able to weather this storm. Because if you take away the millennials' cell phones and their coffee cards, they're crying in their soup. They've got no staying power really it's that I mean simply if once the pharmacy shut down and there's no more prescription drugs can you can't get your attention deficit disorder medicine you can't get your your rock star you can't get power to your cell phone and you don't have your coffee for the day you know what they're not going to be able to survive a week of that Everyone will be like literally pandemonium in the streets. And you think I'm joking? Think about the amount of people that are drugged up on prescription drugs. And those prescriptions, they won't be filled. There'll be mad people running around because they're psychotropics they won't be able to get hold of. Where are they going to retreat to? They're going to retreat into the strongholds of FEMA camps. Well, they'll provide them blankets, medicine, and all those things. And like I did a teaching many years ago on the federal internment camps, Thanksgiving, and I kind of looked at how this had been played out in the um, 19th century with the Native Americans. It's nothing new under the sun. So we have to prepare to make Yahweh our stronghold in the time of trouble and prepare our body temple today to be free of all of those things that would keep you bound and connected to the world. You need to be able to operate freely and live a healthy, holy life in the hands of Yahuwah. So, Abba, we thank you, Abba, for this message, Abba, that Nahum speaks to us, that we would seek, Abba, your words revealed within his words. And, Abba, we thank you, Abba, that we get to be a people, that, Abba, we can cling to your message of the prophet Nahum, that nationalism, Abba, in the face of tyranny, that if we seek your face, And we come into your strongholds that, Yahuwah, you will sustain us. And we know that you will sustain us in these days and this season to come. And we praise your holy name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah.